Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Appreciate you listening. I'm Tim Wildman, and uh, joining me in studio is Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Tim. And Chris Woodward. Good morning. Uh, Ed's not with us today, and as he normally is. And Brother Ray, Richard, normally on, but uh, he's uh, traveling, I think. So um, it's just us three fellers here. If you want to join us on the Internet, go to YouTube or Facebook, and you can watch the live video stream of the show there. Just type in Today's Issues, and you can check us out Facebook or YouTube as we live video stream there uh, daily. And pretty soon we'll have our own streaming service, so we won't. We can uh, refer you there when we get that ready. It should be ready any any month now. Um, hope everybody had a great weekend. And uh, although it's distressing uh, to us all to see the news of what's happening across the ocean in Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, fellas, uh, before we talk about that, uh, I do want to talk about that, but on the home front, Fred, uh, gasoline prices across the country uh, at the pump are starting to soar. Yeah, just locally in our area here, I noticed 45, 50 cent increase just this weekend. Uh, it's now tracking like you're talking six, seven cents a day gasoline going up in our market, uh, which is certainly isn't the highest market in, in the country, uh, unlike California and some of these other places, uh, premium gasoline now over $4. I have never seen it like that. In fact, I think this morning, uh, Chris can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we're at uh, the national average is four dollars and six cents. Correct. Yes, and that is approaching a record set back in two thousand eight when the national average was four dollars eleven cents, and that's just for regular. Mm-hmm. We're not even getting into the eighty nine and the ninety three grade. Diesel is awful as well. Yes. Now, is this uh, is this because of the the war? Well, uh, ABC. Let's go down the list. Certainly. What we're seeing is uh, concern over sources because of the war. No question about it. Uh, There is, this is how bad it is. Uh, One of the stories that's come out this morning is the Biden administration sent people, are you ready for this, down to Venezuela this weekend. U.S. U.S. officials? Yes, to Venezuela to start negotiations with Venezuela, which is run by a dictator, can we have some of your oil and gas? There was even a report just on in the last 10 minutes on Fox, some negotiations going on with the Iranians to give us oil. You're kidding. This is a report in the last 20 minutes or so from Fox. Also, we won't drill here and damage our environment and hurt That's the climate. Right. Jen Psaki, White House spokesperson, <laughs> asked on Friday, again, what about loosening up the restrictions here at home? No. Now, what you're hearing from Jen Psaki is, well, there's 9,000 leases out there that oil companies could be going after. 
But the response to that is the oil companies, because of Joe Biden's war on fossil fuels, are not going to invest millions of dollars right. in a well that Joe Biden could say tomorrow, shut it down. And he will. Yes, he will. And he will. So what we have here, we have gasoline prices at the pump, which is averaging over $4 a gallon now nationally, right? Yes, right. As you guys said, in some parts of the country, higher. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that because they're above average. Now, right. <clears throat> a couple things there. I do want to talk about the politics of that at home. But if we're going to uh, keep – there's pressure growing – on President Biden and Congress, uh, but especially Biden, to stop buying oil from Russia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because as uh, even, uh, I think it was Jonathan Carl, uh, ABC News. We have that. Yeah. We have that clip? We do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, th- th- this is Jonathan Carl, who's an ABC News correspondent mm-hmm. for the White House, I guess. Right. Is he talking to Stephanopoulos here? He is, okay. yes. And at the end of the audio bite, you're going to hear uh, Chris Christie offer his two cents about this Okay, as well. this is uh, what you're about to hear is a conversation they had about this subject of uh, should the United States stop buying oil now from mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin Correct. in Russia? Let's play that. You know, it is not insignificant. Uh, we actually take in more petroleum from Russia than we do from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so, so the ban will result in, and, and it also obviously affects the world supply as well. So you'll see oil go from not $100 a barrel to 150 maybe $200 a barrel. But it's extraordinary, George, for all of the, uh, the sanctions that have been imposed, and they have been unprecedented uh, on, on Russia, to sanction everything but the thing that drives their economy. Hey, so John McCain, uh, is, you know, John McCain used to say that, that um, Russia was a gas station masquerading as a country. And it was a great line. That's all they have. Yeah, so this is what's really irking many Americans right now. You have an absolute nut in Putin attacking a Western country, Ukraine. And because we depend on Russia for 10% of our oil, we are helping to fund... Vladimir Putin attack and kill innocent citizens in Ukraine. Yeah. And to make matters worse, the administration was asked about that very thing end of last week, and Jen Psaki brushed it off as only 10%. Only 10% of the oil. I have that audio as well. You want to play that? It's clip two. Go ahead. As long as we're buying Russian oil, though, aren't we financing the war? Well, Jackie, again, uh, it's only about 10% of what we're importing. Uh, I've not made any announcement about any decision on that front, but our objective here and our focus is making sure that any step we take maximizes the impact on President Putin and minimizes it on the American people. And anyone who's calling for uh, an end to the carve-out should be clear that that would raise prices. Well, listen, the answer to the question was not that the paragraph that Jen Psaki, the spokesperson for the White House, the the answer is yes. Are we funding Putin's war in Ukraine against Ukrainian people, which is absolutely heartbreaking to watch these images? We haven't even talked about that. I don't even know if I can without getting too emotional. Um, But the answer is yes, we are. 
funding. <clears throat> and even Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, one of the leading Democrats, she says she's in favor of stopping the purchase of oil from Russia uh, because it does put money in the coffers of Vladimir Putin, which allows him to continue to, to uh, you know, to fund the war machine he has now uh, as it attacks these these poor folks in, in Ukraine. Uh, listen, Biden is stuck. Now, I don't, he doesn't have to be, but he, he he's, he's boxed himself in politically mm-hmm. in this regard. He, um, uh, the, 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 as gasoline goes up at the pump, the, party and the person in charge of the country is going to be blamed like it or not fair or not. I'm not going to comment on that. Although I think it's fair to blame Biden because of his policies. Uh, that's the way people think they think, well, I'm paying four or $5. I wasn't doing that under Trump. Hmm. So it must be Biden's fault. Now, as I say, it's more complicated than that, but that's how Americans usually reduce their thinking. Right on kitchen table economics. If they're suffering, they blame the party in power. And everybody knows this, so Biden knows this. The Democrats are set to be uh, wiped out in the House of Representatives in November if things don't change drastically. They've had 35, I think, uh, Democrat incumbents announce retirement. I don't know how that compares historically, if that's unprecedented or not, but that is a substantial number of incumbents saying they're not going to run for office in November. A lot of people think the reason is they know they're going to lose. A lot of them are going to lose. Now, so you got you got that going on. So if we cut off oil to from Russia, which I think morally absolutely needs to be done today, because the crisis is here and now, and the people in the Ukraine are being slaughtered now. Yes. Okay, today, hour by hour, uh, and, and his main source of income from the West, or at least the United States, is the oil that he sells to us. All these other things, as Jonathan Carl from ABC says, pale in comparison to what we could do if we stopped the oil. But what Biden and I guess his team around him are thinking is if we do that, gas prices could go up to six or – I'm just guessing here. I'm no economic, economist, and I don't understand the world oil market, okay? So just know that as I, as I comment. I'm just a layperson here trying to see this. I'm thinking – they're thinking, Biden and company are thinking, well, this would, could cause the prices at the pump to go up to six, $7, uh, on average, perhaps who knows where this, that would cause further damage to the Democrats standing with the American people, thus increasing the chance that they're wiped out. Uh, by wiped out, I mean, they lose control of the house by 30 or about 20 or 30 votes in November. And they perhaps lose the Senate. And then then that would you talk about a lame duck uh, president? Biden would become uh, not a lame. Biden would become a, a dead duck. Yeah, <laughs> president. So the the political calculations 
of cutting off the oil from uh, Russia to the United States are just as I've described them. Now, the other thing here is he's getting pressure. He would be getting pressure from the Green New Deal people, the the, The AOCs of the the world, the the, uh, environmentalists who believe that carbon emissions are 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 burning up the planet. Mm -hmm. They either believe that or they pretended to believe that to try to exploit that fear among people to benefit them in other ways. Sure. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that's sinister, but I, I do believe that that happens with a lot of the uh, green the green activists. Um, but so he's, he has to keep – they're going to start screaming if – he doesn't. If if Biden turns around and says, "Okay, we got to turn on the spigot here in the United States for oil and gas now, because we're in a crisis, we're in an emergency, and we don't need our energy prices to soar any higher than they are," so therefore, we must have more production from our own sources here in the U.S. If he does that, then the earth-burning people on the Democrat side start attacking him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. But who else are they going to vote for? Well, well, uh, yeah, that's true. But the, it, it would split the Demo- it could potentially split the Democrat Party, which yeah. makes it worse for them going into November. So those are both, I think, real life consequences and the political consequences that Biden faces. Mm-hmm. You got all that with a man who is struggling mentally. Obviously, uh, you, you, we all see that. Sure. With uh, I don't know if he has dementia or what exactly, but he's. 70 near he's nearing 80 I mean, he said uranian a few times last week yeah he called a congressman by her wrong name mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before he's called kamala harris the president uh two several three, times two, yeah two or three times it's, it's really a scary situation for the country to think that we have a fella in office who's not all there mm-hmm. and we have this international crisis facing us unlike anything we've seen probably in our lifetime uh, uh, um, you would have to probably go back to World War II to see uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Obviously, would rise to that. Maybe not, the aftermath of nine eleven. Other than that, I can't think of anything that rises to this level of of, of a, what I would call a crisis with a capital C. Right. So, uh, th- this is these are dangerous times because this this Putin is. Uh, Nobody, the people who've known him even for a long time or dealt with him even for a long time don't know what his end game here is exactly. Um, well, there are fears that, well, just by the sheer force and numbers of the Russian army that's in there now, <clears throat> many people feel it's despite the opposition from the Ukrainian military, from the citizens taking up arms, it's just a matter of time before Russia gains control of Ukraine. But a lot of people are starting to think, what next after Ukraine? Is he going to go to the Baltics, which are fairly weak countries? Now, you do have the aspect. These are former satellite countries of the, of the USSR. Soviet, of the Soviet Union. Right. You have a little country like Slovakia. You've got Hungary that are right on that Ukrainian border as well. So is... Many people feel that, you know, this ex-KGB guy, Vladimir Putin, he wants 
It's his goal in life to put the Soviet Union back back in place. And he's 70 years old. So yes. people think psychologically, he's thinking, I've got 10 years perhaps to, to do this and be remembered for all history as putting back the... Yeah. Nobody wants World War III because that's what's being threatened. If, if the West, NATO forces were to go in and help the Ukrainians, many people said it would be World War III. There's been a suggestion of uh, stopping uh, aircraft, putting, putting a hold in airplanes flying over Ukraine. The problem with that, it has to be policed, and if the Soviets uh, ignore it, then we have to go in and respond with fighter jets against fighter jets. So people are saying, no, we don't want World War III. So I think his intention, I believe he wants the old Soviet Union back. And the question then becomes, if he starts after Ukraine, going into these NATO countries, will NATO respond more forcefully militarily? Right now we're helping out with weapons. Yeah. I have, a, I have a different take on this, a okay. little, little, little different take on this. No, you're, but your your take is a an open-ended question. Uh, that's all you're saying, Fred, so I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, looking at what's happening on the ground right now in the Ukraine, or Ukraine, uh, I'm not so sure he can take control of that country anytime soon. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I've mentioned this before, it's kind of like a, what does the dog do when it catches the car? Mm -hmm. Okay. It appears to me that Biden, uh, excuse me, that Putin may be the dog here and the car may be Ukraine because he's having now, he's been unable uh, in a convention, in a conventional takeover of a country. If there's such thing as a conventional takeover of country, uh, you would have uh, had the people of Ukraine formally surrender. Uh, before, before the Russian military had to start engaging in an all-out war, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then and then you install your puppet government, and everybody knows, okay, in Ukraine we must submit to this because we don't want a war. I don't know that by, I don't know that Putin uh, factored in that these people are not going to surrender. They're going to fight to the death. That's In correct. fact, I saw today where 100,000 Ukrainian men were going back home right. from all over the world to fight for their country, and they're being armed now uh, by Western countries. Yes. And so you've got, a, you've got the Russian military uh, fighting not only the Ukrainian military. to the Now, that's no match if you just go head-to-head. -head. But they're defending their own homeland, and then you've got you've got the the reality of guerrilla warfare going on for years, perhaps, in Ukraine against the Soviets. So, my question is: that's just why people are wondering is 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 uh is is a Putin kind of mad in a way because what 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 are you really trying to do here? You want to capture a piece of land? where 40 million people live mm -hmm. and now you're going to have them, you're going to be trying to occupy them while they hate your guts. That is, is that yeah. success? And we've already seen demonstrations in Russia where people there are upset with yeah. what happened. Well, now he's you, the pariah, he's it. the pariah of the world. Mm -hmm. Master and visa uh, cut off doing business there over the right. weekend. 
uh, he's not going to have the, the Russian people. This is what's a dilemma sort of in, in war like this. The Russian people themselves are going to be the ones who suffer economically more than anybody else. Putin's the richest man in the world. He's in a bunker somewhere. You're, unless you cut off that oil that we talked about earlier, you're really not going to affect Vladimir Putin uh, economically because he does need that to feed the war machine. The military. I mean, we're two weeks in, and all these sanctions that Biden and other people have talked a lot about seem to think are, are making so, progress. Aren't. So, so, so for the reasons I've just described, Fred, that's what makes me doubt his ability to be able to handle war on multi fronts. Uh, he's having to use half his troops from what I understand to handle this situation in Ukraine. And there, there, there appears to be no off ramp for this. We could be talking about this a year from now. Oh, uh, I, I, I think you're exactly right. When it comes to guerrilla warfare, I mean, he's, he's never going to settle that part. They're not going to surrender. They're not going to put up the white flag. It's absolutely amazing. The courage of their president, uh, who continues to do news conferences, live reports every day from wherever he is, whatever bunker he's in. It's just absolutely amazing. And you're right. There are people, Ukrainians, from all over the world going back to fight. Now, personally, I think, and this is just an opinion, uh, Nikki Haley, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., has indicated this. She, she still thinks Poland... And even the United States, to a certain extent, we need to supply the Ukrainians with fighter jets. They need to be able to take on the Russian Air Force, which are launching these missiles. Uh, that, that, I think, would give them a foot up. But, but unless that happens, you're just going to have, yeah. uh, you have the Russian military taking on basically citizens with weapons. I mean, they have the high ground. You have to meet them. On the high ground. Otherwise, yes. you're not going to have a chance. Yes. It's horrible what we're seeing. Uh, we were talking about this in our story meeting this morning. The coverage of this war is like nothing we've ever seen. We're, uh, the uh, network's here. Fox News is interviewing people live in their bunkers, in their basements, in their backyards. It's absolutely incredible. We're seeing Russian missiles exploding live on television. And, and Putin's arrested. I read what thousands. That he's it, it, there's a there's a movement inside Russia. Yes, those are those are two are brave people who are standing up against their dictator mm -hmm. because their their lives could be destroyed. They they could be put in prison or worse. The gulags could be reinstituted in Siberia. Yeah, yeah. you know, like back yeah. during the old USSR. For anybody who dissented from the Communist Party uh, line. So, but, you know, this is so volatile because you don't know exactly what Putin is going to do. You wouldn't think he would use nuclear weapons, um, but he, he did talk about it, at, what, a week or so Put ago? Put him on alert. Yeah. A week ago, yeah. Yeah, so, um, he. but uh, anyway, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what decisions are made in the next few days um, by the Europeans and the Americans on uh, what to do about the oil. Absolutely. Uh, and now, now Germany, you know, I remember seeing a video of President Trump meeting with European leaders, especially the Germans, and he was telling them, 
listen, uh, you don't need to get dependent on Putin for your for your energy, for goodness sakes. Yes. And now they are. Yeah. The Germans to a large Biden removed Trump's sanctions huh? against that pipeline. Biden yeah. went in and yeah. reversed everything yeah. that Trump did. Yeah. Um, and and now Biden's, you know, the, the attack on the oil and gas industry in the United States, and now he's wanting to have his hat out to Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. There's talk about him flying over to Saudi Arabia, begging them for oil. Yeah. And yeah. let's not forget he was labeled a foreign policy expert when Barack Obama yeah. picked him to run with him. We will be back momentarily with more of today's issues. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. You know, most tours of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., don't include the spiritual heritage of our country, the Christian history of our nation, the people, the places, the events that God used to birth America. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. My friend, historian Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, goes with us on these tours and he talks all along the way. He tells you about the people, the places, the events, and he does so from a Christian perspective. So you're invited to join us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June and September. We also go to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour if you want to do that as well. So for all the information, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, simply the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. What I'm about to tell you is one of the most unbelievable stories you will ever hear. It, it'll sound almost too weird to be true, but it is the gospel truth, folks. People in New Jersey and Oregon are not allowed to pump their own gas. It's against the law. But that archaic rule could soon change. Legislation in both states would allow gas stations to open up self-service lanes. Critics fear it might cause safety problems, not to mention that the elderly and disabled may not be able to pump their gas. But supporters of the change say it's about time to move both states into the 21st century. Wait until the folks in New Jersey and Oregon find out they can actually wash their own windshields. And wait for it, change their oil too. My new book, Our Daily Biscuit Devotions with a Draw, makes a terrific gift. You can get yourself a signed copy right now at ToddStearns.com. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the program Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim Wildman with Chris Woodward and Steve, and, uh, well, Steve will be along in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Fred Jackson is with me. Well, we're going to uh, switch topics now. We'll get back to some of the news of the day in a few minutes, but uh, I want to talk to my good friend Stephen Bolt uh, from Proclivity Senior Living about a, a great opportunity that is ahead in the Christian community to get involved with um, the emerging, uh, I don't know what you would call it, senior living uh, issue that is, uh, well, it's, it's in the here and now, but certainly as people are living longer uh, here in the U.S., uh, this is, this. Uh, I, th- what we're going to need for senior living is going to increase the need for quality uh, places to go. And uh, Stephen joins us from Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you this morning? Uh, we're getting drenched here in Nashville. How about Tupelo? Yeah, Tupelo. We got our rain early this morning, so I guess seventy billion inches. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, Stephen. What's the price of gas down the street there in Nashville? Um. Uh, well, uh, I have to get the uh, mid grade, and so it's it's over four bucks here. Is it? Um, because I've got it. I've got a, a Dodge Ram Rebel that requires, you know, ni- a nice gas um, right. in it. But uh, I think it's three, three something. It's getting close to four just for regular unleaded. Yeah, it's going up across the country. Uh, Stephen, let's talk about, I mentioned, you heard me talk about, uh, you're the uh, CEO of Proclivity Senior Living. Talk about the issue broadly, if you would, at first, about what uh, what's happening in our country with respect to seniors uh, living longer and, and, the, and the needs that they have. Well, you kind of nailed it there. The first thing is they are living longer. We are all living longer. And that's both good, but it also presents some challenges. Um, and as far as uh, the senior housing is concerned specifically, there is a tremendous gap that is actually growing between the aging population, which isn't going to change for 20, 25 years, and the available and affordable quality senior housing. The uh, senior housing has changed dramatically in the last five to 10 years. There's been a merging of hospitality, which is think of a Marriott with bistros and that kind of a thing, um, and and the medical side of it. Uh, for both assisted living uh, and independent living, as well as memory care. But it's an attempt to address the, this growing need. It's, it's historic, Tim. Um, we've never experienced this, not in America, and it's happening across the Western world, where the, the aging population, just the, people don't know where, where to put mom and dad. Matter of fact, I meet with a lot of boards, and, and specifically pastors, and I say, Pastor, when you're if pastors are listening, they're gonna they're gonna be nodding their heads. Pastor, when you look out at your congregation, uh, you're doing your sermon. Pick out any three people, and right now, while you're doing your sermon, one of those three people is dealing with the question of what do I do with mom or dad? And in in a lot of cases, it's it's a needs driven issue. You know, mom falls and breaks her hip, and she can't live alone anymore. 
or dad is found wandering in the neighborhood uh, because he's got um, Alzheimer's or, or some form of dementia. Well, that requires an immediate and permanent intervention. And I think, and I, I know I'm, I'm getting too much into a monologue here, and I'll give it back to you, Tim, but I get passionate about this. The Christian opportunity has an, inco- uh, the Christian, um, Christian community has an incredible opportunity to address this issue. And so Proclivity Senior Living is, is doing that, and we've been doing that, and we've had tremendous okay. success. I want, to get to, I want to get to what you got, the plan that you guys have for pastors and church board members uh, who 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 would be interested in 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 talking in, in uh, looking into what you have to offer? But give your website so if people have to get out of their car or whatever right now and they want to hear more about uh, they want to read more about this and uh, study it more, where can they go? Yeah, please uh, go to pro. I'll spell it after I say it. ProclivitySeniorLiving dot com. And that is P-R-O-C-L-I-V-I-T-Y, ProclivitySeniorLiving.com. And you can get all kinds of information about who we are, what we're doing, how we impact the Christian community, how we work with churches, and why churches should be engaged in this. It is a tremendous opportunity for ministry, for revenue for the churches, for relevance in the local community. I, I talk about the two R's with churches, revenue and relevant. Um, there is nothing more relevant. There never will be than the gospel of Jesus Christ. That said, with regard to particular issues, uh, such as um, what do I do with mom or dad, the church can play a role there. Pastors get asked, asked all the time, Pastor, where should I put my mom or dad? And to the extent that a church is involved, with a senior community such as Proclivity Senior Living, they they can then feel very very confident about uh, re- making that recommendation. Okay, so, what do you? Um, okay, right now, so go to ProclivitySeniorLiving dot com, and we're talking to Stephen Bolt from Nashville. He's the CEO of of, of Proclivity. Okay, now uh, in a, in a nutshell, what is it that you guys offer uh, to to? I mentioned for pastors and and church board members to deacons elders whatever you call your church board to pay attention to what yeah. you're about to uh say that you 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 present as a, as an as an option let me give you two models we have an a model and a b model the a model is where we meet with the church church board pastors and um, they have excess land. Church has excess land. That happened a lot in the 80s where churches went out in the community and bought excess land. Good idea. But they don't know what to do with it. And we can come in and do a turnkey, state-of-the-art, beautiful, highest-quality senior community right there directly on the church campus. Now, in the A model, that's what that is. It's directly on the church campus. And then I'm going to come back to that in a second. But the B model is what we're doing in Frankfort, Kentucky right now. We have a $45 million project, 152 units, independent living cottages, uh, in, excuse me, assisted living and memory care. And it is a beautiful, beautiful campus that is being developed right now. And we have two churches that are involved, but the property is not on either of the church campuses. We bought the property, and then we involved the churches 
uh, after the fact, and they are thrilled to be involved and and help us with ministry and volunteer services and those kinds of things. Back to the A model. If we work with the church and and uh, the church is very interested in putting one of our camp- campuses on their church campus, um, we then give them a 10% ownership interest in the entire project. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but it's actually huge. You take 10% of $45 million project and down the road, given the current economics in senior housing, which is arguably the most attractive asset class in the U.S. economy, that amounts to about $100,000 a year to the church. And then it gets bigger from there, and I'm not going to, we don't have time to get into it, but it is a tremendous opportunity for the church, again, using those two R's, to not only gain revenue, but to be particularly relevant today in their communities to helping solve the problem of what do I do with mom or dad? All right, ladies and gentlemen, if any, if any of what uh, Stephen has shared uh, has piqued your curiosity, uh, there's no no uh, cost to going and checking it out, right? And uh, there are churches around the country who have a lot of excess land that, as Stephen said, they don't know exactly what to do with it. This is a need that's emerging. It's here and now. It's, it's growing, as Stephen said, on what to do to help in the area of taking care of seniors, especially who have special needs like uh, their dementia or Alzheimer's or other situations. Or they just want, need to be somewhere safe and cared for and looked after. And this is a booming industry in our country. It's, it really is. Every, everybody listening to me right now uh, either is dealing with this or knows somebody who is, as sure. Stephen referenced earlier. Uh, so, Stephen, a- again, the people can uh, – would you encourage people who want to know more about this to go to your website? Oh, absolutely. And can I say one more thing? Yes. I think it's very important that everybody understands that the only team members that we have, what I mean by team members are architects, engineers, Builders and particularly the operators. The operator is the the entity that manages the facilities. Are industry proven, highly successful. Uh, they know what they're doing, and they embrace our vision of bringing the Christian community into the the solution to the problem of what do I do with mom or dad. So ProclivitySeniorLiving.com. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have okay. a blessed day. All right. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You're listening to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio. Uh, Chris, you got the next story? I do, Uh, and this is a big event. Uh, Hopefully it's going to happen in other uh, big cities across the U.S. that have not made this announcement. This week, New York City is doing away with vaccination requirements at restaurants, entertainment, and cultural venues, and the mayor said they're also doing away with uh, requiring or requirements for masks in public schools. The mayor there, new mayor, Eric Adams, says we got to get back to normal. It's as if he, you know, we haven't said that for six months to a year from now. But I bring it up because it is a positive story uh, and something a lot of people have wanted in New York City, which happens to be uh, a major part of the U.S. economy. They get a a lot of money. I don't even know an approximate number to throw out there, but a lot of money just on tourism of people wanting to go to Times Square, wanting to see the Statue of Liberty. And for a long time now, people have not been able to do that because their kids aren't vaccinated. They don't want to get them vaccinated. People don't want to have to show proof of it to get a Big Mac, all these kinds of things. You you want to know what I think about it? I do. I'm not going to New York. (laughs) 
I'm not going to New York uh, for different reasons. Now yeah. I have to go to New York uh, in a couple of weeks. It's the most dangerous with, part of with, your trip with, to with, Israel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To go, I have to go through the airport there. Yeah. But I know there are a lot of fine people in New York. I know a lady personally who works there. Uh, uh, but now, even, but she's she's worried, scared, because uh, you can't you can't go out uh, because uh, you can't go out and feel safe. Okay. There is a tremendous uh, homelessness problem. Mm. With that comes mental illness. With that comes people acting crazy, doing things like pushing people to subways. Uh, there's carjackings in broad daylight. I know it's 8 million people or 10 million or whatever like that. So that, that kind of crime's always going to be in a big city like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, so I, I, I just, you know, I, I just think it's unsafe to the tour there right yeah. now. And I, and I, I've enjoyed going to New York city. The few times I've been able to go and sightsee, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of great things to see there. I've not been to the big apple yet. I've been, I've been through Buffalo <laughs> on my way back from Niagara falls, the Canadian side yes, or what Fred calls the good side. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I've not been to New York city. I've been to a lot of places. That's one place I would like to go just to see times square. Anyway, go ahead. I, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I, I think this is politics. I, I think New York will be among the first. If we have another outbreak of a variation of COVID, I don't receive that at all, Fred, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to. After the November election, uh, uh, the virus magically appears again. I think there'll be another clampdown once again. Well, because then you got to get a president elected. That's, yeah. that's the Democrat thinking, is to keep the population under control. And I just think it's horrible that New York waited now two years. These precious children... Uh, either can't go to school because they had to do schooling from home or when they got them there, making them wear masks, the separation, you know, even in classrooms, all of that sort of thing. I think just it was a Democrat agenda for control. And uh, I'm glad for the kids that they can go to class now and meet with their friends. But I wouldn't trust the Democrat government there to keep it in place. Uh, much yeah, longer than I don't feel call. sorry for them. They vote for this stuff. So let's yes. go to the next story. All right. yes. Enough New York talk. Well, uh, this is COVID-related. You've had this uh, massive convoy of truckers in these United States of America traveling across the country mm-hmm. to speak out in protest against uh, a lot of the COVID restrictions, masking, shot requirements, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they started um, days ago in uh, out west, uh, and now they've made it as far as the D.C. area, uh, and so they're going to be uh, doing that. We've been covering it. Chad Groening's done a great job for us in recent days talking with people that have traveled along uh, with the truckers uh, for a few days. They're in the D.C. area now. I do have a little bit of sound. Uh, this is one of the people with the U.S. trucker convoy saying they're not going specifically into D.C. Uh, because they don't want to be treated like the uh, January 6th insurrectionists. Clip six. I am fearful. The organizers are fearful of them trying to do to us what they did to those involved in January 6th. It is our belief that they will try to do that. So with that said, we're making diplomatic moves. That means that we're not at, that means at this time 
meaning today and tomorrow, we are not and will not go into D.C. proper. Again, I know some here really passionately want that to happen. But I have to worry about the safety of the children that are in this convoy. I have to worry about the safety of each and every single one of you, and I don't want that on my conscience. What? What is the point of staying? That's a good point. Or or are they staying? Well, they don't. I don't think they plan to stay there. Certainly not on the level of uh, Canadian truckers. Because uh, I, I because I they they made a uh, point. They have, which is which needs to be applauded. Uh, obviously, that is the they're standing up for freedom and liberty and against all these uh, heavy-handed mandates that the Biden administration in particular tried to put off on the on uh, American citizens. Uh, you know what? The I don't know how, how you feel about this. The pandemic's over. Mm-hmm. It was over a long time ago, but yes. Well, okay. The Omicron variant, which came through in December and January and February, got all of us. It did. Yeah, whether you knew it or not. Whether you knew yeah. it or not, whether you were vaccinated or not, whether you had a vaccination shot or shots or boosted. Or not, it didn't care. The Omicron virus uh, variant I'm talking about, it got everybody, which was uh, nobody wants anybody to be sick. But in the big picture, it was, uh, I'm going to put good in quotation marks here, understand how I mean this, that uh, everybody got it because it was basically a bad cold slash flu and didn't go to the lungs. Uh, for for the vast majority, vast 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 majority of right. people, which the first wave and mm-hmm. that Delta was going to the lungs, which is why it was so dangerous. But uh, this this gave people natural immunity. It created herd immunity, and now now it's it uh, it's gone. It's for the I mean, the COVID is not affecting people their health in any kind of a a pandemic way. And yeah. So we have a story on this truck convoy. It's on uh, uh, AFN.net right now. You can go there. And uh, the image that's there, people like in Canada, they came out and greeted this convoy as it rolled along mm-hmm. uh, up on bridges, waving the American flag. There's a, a picture of a truck here. Uh, we stand and has the Holy Bible on it and a, and a cross. So this it's not getting the attention that the truckers in Canada got because we have this war going on in the Ukraine, and that's kind of eclipsed uh, coverage of almost everything. But there are hundreds of these trucks, and it's not just the 18-wheelers. It's people who have joined with pickup trucks, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it, it's driven by the same thing as the, the protest in Canada. The American people have had enough of these mandates have had enough of the lockdowns, have had enough being told you have to have this vaccination, you have to have this booster. They say no more. We're not going to put up with it. And uh, I I think going forward, uh, you're going to see a a major change. The American people were willing to accept it initially. They were willing, you know, to keep the hospital numbers down, all of those sorts of things. But it has reached a point now where they're not willing to put up with it anymore. I saw a T-shirt the other day on Facebook, and it said, I survived two years of two weeks to flatten the curve. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, people are just, yeah. they're done with it, and yeah. they're ready to move on. What's interesting about the story on AFN.net that Chad did uh, when they were coming through Ohio, and granted, some of these people on the overpresses greeting the convoy as it passes by may not be from Ohio, but uh, the fact that you have a purple state that is a major influencer in every election and will continue to be so, having a massive turnout of people there to greet these people, mm-hmm. I think says a lot about what you might expect in future elections where you have some people that are fed up, including Democrats. I've seen and heard, and we've talked about Bill Maher and other people on this show uh, people are just done with it. I mean, ours is a country that started because someone said, you have to do this, you can't do that. And in the last couple of years, a lot of people capitulated in the name of helping their neighbor. But now, after all these other things got piled on top of it, people said enough is enough. We can't keep doing this. Next story, Chris. Well, uh, what do you want to... Um... I don't care. Just pitch one at us. Okay. I mean, I do care. Don't misunderstand me. But that's what I'm saying by that is it's your choice to... Chris, I got you. If Fred and I don't want to talk about it, we will. <laughs> we'll just sort of tell you that. I got you. The jobs report came out on Friday, uh, and it was better than expected. We had six hundred seventy-eight thousand jobs were added in February. Unemployment uh, ticked down to three point eight percent. Expectations were for the uh, jobs report to be somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred forty thousand, uh, and the previous two months were revised upward, but. Uh, people are still concerned about wages not going up enough uh, to meet inflation. And if companies are going to start facing higher taxes under President Biden's tax plan and you have higher electricity prices going into the summer months, it stands to reason uh, businesses may not be hiring so many people in the uh, in the coming weeks just based on the cost of living for that business itself. Yeah, I tell you what, uh when you look at this being an election year, <laughs> does Joe Biden have anything going for him, he and the Democrats? Do they have anything going for them at all? There is nothing. Can you imagine, we're talking about gas prices, grocery prices mm-hmm. going up in conjunction with that. People are planning vacations right now, and they're changing their vacation plans because of what's going on, because we can't afford to drive 500 miles. So all of this, he has got nothing going, and there's still, I'm going to call it the mandate hangover that's still there mm-hmm. for, for people. They're still angry about this. Mm-hmm. I think I think in this November, we are going to see what happened in Virginia last November. We are going to see it in spades come November. I think it's going to be huge, <sighs> to quote a former president. Yeah. The one thing about that, though, is let's say there's a big political shift Voters need to not just go, okay, well, that's great. Like, you actually need to make sure the people promising you all these big changes actually do it. Because the last couple of times we've run into these situations, they get in office, and then they argue over the fixes, and we never get anything done. Well, listen, I hate to be the bearer of reality. (laughs) Nothing's been done legislatively in Congress uh, of any big substance since the uh, Trump came in and one of the first things he did was the uh, tax cuts and the deregulation bill. And that was only after they couldn't come together on repeal and replace of Obamacare. And and that barely passed Mm -hmm. because because the Republican numbers were not uh, large, you know, just enough to get that passed. So the reality (laughs) is that 
the only thing that a Republican Congress would be able to do in January, if they are elected in November, which I think will happen, is to block Biden mm-hmm. and the Democrats, and also do a lot of investigations. Yes, about uh, a lot of the uh, ethical issues that have existed that have gone un un uh, unreported in a lot of thing, a lot of ways, and also under investigated. Hunter Biden, for example. Right. Yes. And uh, that that whole. Also, so, so 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 I think there is a value to the Republicans yes. for their for that cause, for the cause of that party to be in power, obviously. But they're they can't to they can't overpromise because they can't do a lot with Biden having the veto pen. But I I hope Tim, there's a commission. I hope there's a commission on the way our military's been treated. Yeah. These edicts that have gone out, yeah. we're going to from Biden administration. We're going to seek out points of view of our military people. If they have conservative points of view. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had, you remember the Homeland Security memo that came out there a couple of weeks ago? That uh, memo that mentioned, yeah. you know, yeah. those who opposed yeah. COVID mandates. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we regard those as terrorist threats. These are issues that need to be investigated Absolutely. By, by Congress. Yes. And people need to be held to account yes. by Congress but as long as Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are in charge, mm-hmm. they won't be. Yes, and we're finally going to get some of the January 6th people who are sitting in cells yeah. and have not been charged. Yeah. 14 months yeah. sitting in cells, yeah. not been charged. So there's there's a lot of value to a flip in, 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 in who controls it. Sure. Also, as I mentioned a hundred times before, whoever controls the House of Representatives, be a Democrat or Republican, even by just one vote. Mm-hmm. Changes to committee chairmen. That's oh, right. Yes. That's and right. that's that's monumental. Sure. Yes. Appropriations, right all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you uh, for uh, for this hour. Uh, Fred and I shall return momentarily with Steve Jordahl after this uh, timeout for news. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.